everyone. Welcome to episode number 43 of the Runners of Hue podcast. I'm your host, Vicki Oak. Today's guest is May Sheck. May first started running just over 10 years ago when she moved to Canada for work and was hoping to expand her friend group but didn't really want to invest in ski equipment. And as luck would have it, her now husband was part of the running group she joined. In this episode, we talk about how May went from hating gym class to loving running, why she signed up for her first marathon, why finding the right coach is key, FYI, she trains under the Get Running Coaching Services with the help of pro runner and coach Neely Spence Gracie, and why paying it forward is important to her. May is a coach for power in motion and also paces a bunch of different races. Somewhere in there, we also talk about all of the running clubs May has been a part of, most recently with the Seven Run Three Club. So without further ado, I hope you all enjoy this episode. Hi, May. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Well, thank you for having me. Why don't we jump right in? Please tell everybody who you are, what you do, and where in the Houston area you live. My name is May Sheck, and I live in the Heights area. Uh, my daytime job is a chemical engineer by background, and I work for an energy company. Oh, I did not know that. You're mm-hmm. smart. Uh, so where, where in the Houston area are you living? I am currently living in the Heights. Uh, my family and I moved from Hong Kong when I was 13, and we've been in the Houston area ever since. Oh, jumping ahead in my question. That was my next mm-hmm. question. So you grew up in Hong You moved here when you were how old? 13. Okay. Really tough time to move, but yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when, was it while you were still in Hong Kong or once you moved to Houston? When did you, like, did you play sports growing up? What did that look like for you? Oh, funny question, because growing up, I was very uncoordinated. Nobody wants me on their team. And PE is torture. So I would find ways to take more honors classes to get out of PE. So, um, no, I did not play sports growing up. If you call badminton a sport. Um, I did pick up running when I was working abroad in Calgary about a little over a decade ago. And we'll probably get into that story a little bit later. Okay, cool. Well, I, number one, badminton is definitely a sport. It's in the Olympics. It was something that I covered back when I worked for NBC. Those people are, I don't want to say crazy, very talented. I do not play like the pros. It's um <laughs> By playing, I mean I hit the little uh, birdie, and then it goes back, and I hit it again. So that was the extent of my skill set in that space. It's still, everything counts. So I did, so I noticed you got into running because I saw a lot of, well, not a lot, but some of your races started in Canada. So what did that look like for you? You mentioned, like, you had a, a dreadful dreadful dreads not a thing like you hated PE you were uncoordinated so what led you to first start running well I'm gonna fast forward to a few years into my career with um with my company Mm -hmm. and they were kind enough to send me over to Canada for an and stretch assignment and um I noticed that all of my friends were from work (laughs) and the best way for me to do something outside of work Besides in, investing in ski, because I only knew I was going to be there for two to three years, I didn't want to acquire a bunch of you know skis right. and equipment. 
So I signed up for what they call the Calgary Outdoor Club. And the easiest thing that without equipment was running. Mm-hmm. So um, I met up with the running group and they do Sunday um, long run. And um, by long run, it was about 10K-ish. So it, okay. uh, I live in a pretty central location. So I meet up with the group and the rest is actually history. Okay. Well, so you join a group and you start running for fun. Your long runs are 10K, roughly six miles. What made you sign up for, like, how did you get to your first half marathon? So I noticed running friends are very uh, cool people that, you know, slowly get you into something that's bigger and bigger and bigger. (laughs) So when we first met for the 10K every Sunday, the intent was run minute, 10 minute walk walk a minute. Um, and, um, I noticed that I wasn't completely in the back of the group. And even if I were folks were running back to pick us up. So it was a very welcoming group. And, um, the best part of Sunday was having brunch afterwards. So I was pretty much hooked. Um, and I'm a creature of habit. So after long runs, breakfast, um, a lot of them um, in, in, Houston, in Calgary, their major marathon was the Calgary Marathon. It was in May. Um, so after six months or so of running with the group, I hear about this. Oh, everybody's running. You know, some of them were training for the marathon. Some of them were training for the half. And since we were covering the distance anyways, I was just like, hey, I'll sign up for a 10K. So my first uh, race officially uh, was a 10K. Okay. And um, at the time, um, I was in that group with my now husband. He was training for his first marathon. So because I live very close to the pathway, we get to, you know, do a lot of more runs together. And, um, yeah, I signed up for the 10K and waited for him at the end to see him cross the finish line for his marathon. And I believe that was his first marathon. And it was he ran a 322. Oh, wow. Um, and that number is going to haunt me forever. <laughs> and we'll get to that later in the story too. Um, well, so for me personally, when I started training for my, the first half marathon I ran ages ago, um, I was living in Indianapolis at the time. And I started training in January for a race that was also in May. And I just remember like Indianapolis was cold in the winter. In January, I think I had on two pairs of pants. So what was how different was running in Calgary from running in Houston? What was the weather like when you were training for that May race? Honestly, I didn't know any better, right? Because I picked up running when I was up there and I started in the fall. So it gradually got colder and colder. So it becomes like, literally I started with yoga pants and and jacket. And Mm -hmm. then over time, you know, you meet friends again, you know, you slowly dabble into, Oh, I need better gear. So you get little tights and then you know how to layer. And mm-hmm. the good thing about Calgary is the dry cold. So I, to be honest, from somebody who grew up in pretty tropical Houston mm-hmm. weather, um, I ran all the way down to minus 20 without wind chill. Like, not without wind chill. Like, if it's wind chill, I don't. Uh, I don't go out in there run, but if you layer well with gloves and really getting your um, head cover, um, you, you generate heat when you run. So it's pretty fun. Um, so yeah, it, it was a big adjustment, but since I didn't know any better, mm-hmm. it was pretty easy, you know, adjusting it over the winter and, um, yeah, look, 
looking back, it's pretty silly to be running at minus 20 degree C weather, but we minus did it. Fahrenheit or Celsius? Because if you're in- Celsius, okay. but they cross over at minus 40. Do, okay. No, I don't know. I see. I yeah. know like <laughs> zero 32. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so minus 20 C, um, we might have to edit that later, um, and do the math later, but it's probably in the zero Fahrenheit range on a dry crisp day. It's actually pretty, pretty. Right. I know like thirties is around Mm nineties or hundreds like the 37 is, you know, your, your, yeah, your body temperature. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the the trick, you're going to learn something today at minus 40. It doesn't matter what is Fahrenheit and C they're the same. And okay. minus 40. Well, and, and entirely too cold to be outside. Yes. <laughs> so, well, so if you ran your first half and you started in Canada, it was the, I think the Canadian Rocky Mountain. The yeah, it was the Canmore uh, half. And um, so um, I mentioned I picked up running in the outdoor club because I didn't want to pick up ski equipment. Right. My workplace was also very generous. It has a very nice gym, and they have a workout class called Extreme Sports Conditioning on uh, Saturday morning. So I had an um, instructor that was, you know, doing halves and stuff. So uh, she mentioned she does this Kim or half every year. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the running group that I meet on on Sunday said, oh, that's a beautiful one. So, again, without researching or doing anything, I said, well, sign me up, and let's carpool together. So Kim Moore's about – probably an hour and a half uh, outside of Calgary. So it's, you know, close to Banff. Actually, there's a nice 30K um, trail, bike trail. You can bike from Banff to um, Canmore. Mm -hmm. I like to be able to do that one day, actually. So um, it was a beautiful September day, and it was my first half. And without any expectation, I just ran it. Um, I I didn't even own a sports watch or anything. I, I don't even remember if I have a Timex with me. <laughs> so I just started running and, um, you know, follow people around. Um, thankfully, it wasn't one of those very hilly course. Oh, really? It is still probably more hill um, than Houston well, would ever offer. Um, and I finished it, felt good. And I'm like, well, maybe there's something about this running thing that I can pick up because I'm really enjoying these racing things that I didn't know much about. Okay, so you finish, and so you pretty quickly were like, yes, this is my thing. I didn't think I was horrible at it, so I just kept at it, right? Okay. Um, but I know a lot of people were a lot faster than me, but I was just like, well, I finished a half, and I didn't have to take two days off afterwards. <laughs> I went back to work and did not have to duck walk, so it didn't scare me. Like, later on, you know, spoiler alert marathons you do right. walk quite a bit yeah well so i mean you run so it's your first half you it's sub 150 147 30 one, yeah 147 yeah um i mean that's i i just hit well i went from 152 to 145 so i just hit that now and that was like my 20th half roughly well, congrats um, on the PR, by the oh, way. Thank you. Um, and it's a big jump from 152 to 145. It's you amazing. ran a PR at the same race, but we'll get there. <laughs> um, so you, you do a couple more halves. It looks like you came back to Houston, but then you went back to Calgary, right? Or did you go back no. just for the race? Funny story. Um, <laughs> I was dating my husband um, at the time when I did the outdoor club. Fun, mm-hmm. You know, we did so much running. So we started dating and then right around 
uh, late December 2009, uh, my work had an assignment for me to move back to Houston. <laughs> so we had that very fun conversation about, um, so I really, you know, how do you want to manage this? Mm -hmm. uh, we can try long distance or alternative, right. right? So he was kind enough and say, let's try the long distance thing. So um, between 2010 to 2014, we did the long distance thing. Okay. So he was living in Calgary at the time. So, um, so I think that's another reason why running stuck with me was even though I grew up in Houston and have a lot of friends, when you were away for two years, mm -hmm. it might have been the two years where Houston did a lot of changes. Mm -hmm. It was strange moving back to Houston. So um, one of the ways that running really helped me transition was um, I joined running clubs when I moved back to Houston. So my first one was actually the bond raising team. Okay. So my, my friends at run raising team has been amazing to me. Um, and there I, I credit them to actually very structured workout because they have a tracked workout on Tuesday, um, which is where normally your bond running group meets on Tuesday. And then um, because of marathon training and all, all the things we piled on, um, Saturday long run and Thursday temple run together. And yeah, so since Michael and I both love running, um, one of our ways to meet up and do the long distance thing is to meet up at, you know, either Calgary or some of the fun places to do um, races together. So one of them was the Big Sur 21 miler. I saw that and I have questions. But first, you ran your first full marathon before you did the Big Sur, right? Yes, I did. 2011 so you, Calgary. So was mm -hmm. number well, number one. So you were going back to Calgary to visit your now husband. And so mm -hmm. you decided to do it when they were having their marathon. Now, back when you first started running, when you did your first 10K, he did his first marathon. So mm -hmm. was he the main influence in getting you to jump distances? Or was that something you just decided you wanted to do? How did you make the jump from halves to marathons? Well, maybe let's put it that way. He didn't peer pressure me, but he never said no when I say anything crazy. And there's a funny story about my first marathon. Um, and I do not recommend um, picking a very hilly course at your first oh, no. one. Um, he was doing something at the time. And I said, if you did it, I would sign up for a marathon. So he did accomplish something. Okay. And then, and it was the... Calgary Marathon was in in May, and uh, so by the time I signed up, it was probably three months, less than three months before the marathon. Okay. The good thing was I had quite a bit of running under my belt. Mm -hmm. I did, um, you know, almost by that time, probably ran consistently for about two years. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, okay, fine. Um, I'm going up to see you anyways, sign up for the Calgary Marathon. And thankfully, I was running with a friend that was training for something else. I got an 18-miler um, two, three weeks before the race and then slowly tapered down. So I didn't have a lot of the long runs that I would have today mm -hmm. and got enough mileage don't even think I did speed work. Um, and uh, sure enough, and since Michael's a very supportive partner, he agreed to pace me on the first one. So I didn't have to bring any, like back then it was very popular to have that little fuel oh, belt, belt with mm -hmm. the little water thing. 
didn't even know Goo uh, existed. And at that point, I think I was still on my time max. So again, going into marathon with no expectation, mm-hmm. uh, but knowing that it will be difficult because I know enough friends that will tell me, hello, marathon is tough thing, but um, they were very supportive and encouraging saying that you got a lot of mileage already. You'll get, you, you will finish. So, um, I think one of the reasons why I married my husband is that we actually were able to do a marathon together without me <laughs> killing him. So I think that's a really good test of strength in the relationship. Um, we started off, it was a beautiful day in Calgary and, um, we ran, ran together and, um, the old course actually have a big hill right at the 10 K mark. Um, and then when they are okay and then um fast forward i think about the 30k mark or so they actually loop around the pace where we we used to do our long runs in so having that familiarity really Mm -hmm. helped and my husband's family was also along the course to cheer so to have folks uh, along the way to cheer in a place that i don't live in anymore was Mm -hmm. I'm gracious for that. And funny story was right around the 40K mark, an older gentleman and judging, and I wish it's like triathlon where they tattoo their, you know, kind of age on on the thing. He looked to be over 60 range, passed me by. And I say, oh, good job. We're almost done. And then he was just like, not done yet. (laughs) So he passed me. And then um, there was another kilometer and then this old course actually had you go up a big ramp. It's bigger than Allen Parkway. So the size of it, it was probably more like West Park, right? Like a mile before you were really? going to finish. So my husband said, Pace, do you think you can speed up now? We're at 41K. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You're really lucky that um, I'm trying to finish this. Otherwise, I would punch you right now. Um, so I did, you know deep breath and ran up the ramp and then all my friends that I used to train with knew that we were running the race so they were in the corner and you know having the signs out and cheering us on and I have to look good for pictures so I just get it out and cross the finish line and I was very sore for days well and it was your first marathon you ran a 358.04 so sub four first time out of the gate on a hilly course with a hill a mile from the finish line Thank you. Sounds like a great race. I think my learning with running is it's always good to have no expectation because I just didn't know any better. And um, it was really a great experience. And again, because I didn't completely die and, and I was sore for maybe five days. Okay. That shuffle to the airport wasn't fun. (laughs) Um, but it gave me a little, plant the seed a little bit on, well, maybe I can do more mm-hmm. with this and I can train more. I see people training harder now. I get the point on why people are training with all those mileage. So right. yeah, it was not a bad start. So that was in May of 2011. You're current and you're living in Houston at the time. Mm-hmm. When did you sign up to run? Well, I guess back in 2012, Houston was still a lottery. So did you enter the lottery to run? Houston in January of 2012? I think with Houston, if you run, they had a system where if you run enough, um, a certain time, they, they let oh, you time. in. Mm-hmm. There's a time qualifier back then. So mm-hmm. 
with my halves and I think even the the marathon that I did it got me to get in without having to get on the lottery but yet you were right back um I think in 2010 or even uh 2011 there was a little bit of that lottery system mm-hmm. was it well, in 2012 was such a popular race with the Olympic trials. Right. So it was so awesome the day before to see the pros. So did you go out and watch the, you went out no, and watched No, we track? missed it. I saw it on TV and then <laughs> uh, my friend and I decided to make, make it a girls day weekend. So we checked into the hotel Saturday night oh, nice. and then we did the race together. Um, not together, but we started together okay. and made it a girls day weekend out of it and we even stay an extra day and uh right after the marathon we went to a Tex-Mex restaurant downtown and saw Cara Goucher oh very cool and I was like completely like uh, starstruck and I think the only word I can say is hi you did amazing yesterday and we took a photo yeah <laughs> well and she's super sweet um mm-hmm. most of the distance runners are pretty nice you'll meet some people out there on the pro running scene Usually it's a sprinter where they're, they they could be like more diva-ish, but Kara's not like that. She's pretty cool. Um, well, so between Calgary and Houston, did you change anything in your training? Like, did you start doing speed work? Did you switch running groups? Did you run, add more mileage? A good question. I think that's when the uh, bond racing team was forming that fall. Okay. So between that May to um, January 2012, um, Francois and uh, Austin and Jessica really pulled a team together and called the bond racing team. And I started joining them for runs uh, mm-hmm. that fall. So it hit really well for the Houston Marathon cycle. And Actually, for 2012, January 2012, because it was a lottery system, I initially signed up for half. Oh. And because training was going so well that fall, and what the heck, everybody was doing a marathon. Let's, you know, I was, that was the only time in history where I switched up in a race. Uh, so, so that was quite unusual, but I'm glad I did because it worked out quite well. Absolutely. So let's talk about that. Do you like... So I wasn't here yet in 2012, so I don't know what the weather was like. I think it was like clear, maybe a little cold. Um, what was your plan heading into that race? Did you have a goal in mind? Now you're running maybe alone and you have to actually carry all your own fuel, right? I did, did you- say I was an engineer. I did say I, my background is in chemical engineering so mm-hmm. I do love data a lot so <laughs> another thing that changed after the, the Calgary marathon to that marathon was I did buy a garment and then back then was the one the one with the uh, bevel like where when oh, you sweat uh-huh. you can't you know click anything um so I got that during um Black Friday so it, it, right after you know November I got a little garment mm-hmm. um so and McMillan started to have its magical calculator on you know if you plug in certain uh-huh. races result and they will predict, you know, what your result would be and your training pace would be. So I've been playing around with that tool. <laughs> and since the, you know, my marathon debut wasn't back then, I think for a Boston qualifier, you need a 340 or 345. I don't even remember. They changed it so many times. Nice. I thought, oh, you know, it may be possible to have a Boston qualifier, but I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, I was having a lot of fun really training with the group. So um, really didn't think it was possible until probably after we 
did our last long run in December and I was talking to Jessica and Francois and they'd say, do you think I can actually BQ? Because I think, you know, that's a, you know, you know, X pays and, and I've been training right around that. Mm-hmm. And again, everyone's been so supportive and they're like, of course you can. Um, and I hit the jackpot because the be- weather was beautiful. It was 40 degree Fahrenheit day, no calm and no um, rain or wind. So I have a little bit of that beginner's luck. And um, in fact, I was a little bit cold at the start line. Mm-hmm. And someone else actually gave me a little garbage bag. Um, they're like, oh, poor thing. You're, you know, like you're really cold. Here's a garbage bag. I'm like, oh my God, this is genius. I need to do that for myself. But this is just the thing about Houston runners mm-hmm. where they're just, you know, even though you don't know them, they know you're a runner. They're just very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. It's just amazing. So, I mean, you run and you do qualify for Boston. It's your second marathon. You go from a 358 to a 332. How sore I had a were good you? day. Was, was it another five-day soreness, or did you start recovering quicker? It was a bit better. <laughs> um, I think I did duck walk for a few days. <laughs> and then and then here's another thing, folks. Um, your immune system are a bit compromised after a marathon. So I think I pick up the flu a week oh, no. after the Houston Marathon, uh, but it was all worth it. Um, so I actually took a few weeks off after the marathon, which is good because it allows you to fully recover. And then, you know, went back at it. Uh, I think my, my first race back was the rodeo run. Okay. Well, (laughs) but now though, we also, so after the rodeo and there was some other shorter distances in there, but you mentioned you, you went to big Sur to, to take a trip with your significant other. I didn't really, do they still do that? I didn't know they had a 21 mile race. They did, and in fact, for 2022, if you're looking for one, it's already sold out. Well, that is not <laughs> so, surprising at all. <laughs> yeah, so the marathon usually gets sold, so you know, sold out first, mm-hmm. and then um, back then they have a nine miler, ten miler, and a 21 miler oh. and a relay. So, okay. yeah, I, it, it's a well-oiled machine. I, it's for a small race; they bust you to the right spot, mm-hmm. and I. Just, really recommend if anyone won a destination race that would be a really great one to put on your bucket list it's just very well run you do have to get up very early they um the bus starts right around 4 a.m and i think the race starts around 7 i think i actually love the 21 miler distance better than the marathon because you don't get the whole i can't i dump walk for two days and and soreness i mean let's be real it's 5.2 miles shorter. Um, I used to ask, so when I worked in pro track and field, uh, there was this one sprinter, a super nice guy. Four times in a row at, at the world championships, he finished fourth in the 200 meters, which is horrible, but he had a great time and he had a great sponsor and they loved him. But so anyway, he would still run the 100, but he didn't do as well. But Every single time I would ask him, what's your favorite event? Like if he had just won a hundred meter racer or more likely placed third or fourth in a hundred, but was winning the two hundreds, he always said the hundred meters was his favorite race. And I was like, well, why you're not as good. And he's it's shorter. Like, (laughs) okay. Although, you know, people keep asking, do you prefer marathon versus 5k? Logistically 5k is way 
easier, but right. it, it actually feels pretty awful where you're running it in a 5K. Now, the aftermath is different. So right. the marathon's a bit more sore. A 5K, you can pretty much recover right. within a day or two. Although I've run some 5Ks where it took me two or three days to be not sore. So right. well, it just depends on how you run it, too. Asking 5K versus marathon is kind of like comparing apples to bicycles. Like you need, it's like half versus sure. marathon, 5K versus 10K. Like they're just completely opposite ends of the spectrum. So, well, that's a good question. So half marathon versus marathon, which would you rather do? Oh, wow. It's like choosing a kid, right? <laughs> like um, if I'm short on time, I think, half marathon because the training is less intense and if you have a bad day you can recover two weeks later and try again Mm -hmm. but there's nothing as magical as crossing the finish line at the marathon it's amazing and i'm really excited that you're going to be experiencing it in january i'm a little terrified we can talk about that later (laughs) um but again so there's some you like to race and i love that um, there are a lot of races. I've, I've written down most of the marathons and half marathons, and it takes up almost a full sheet of paper. Um, but so I'm going to just jump around a bit. Um, cool. You go back to Houston for the marathon in 2013. My first year there, horrible weather. And you cut another six minutes off your time. 3.26.07 in the rain when it, I think it was probably in the maybe 40s. Do you remember 2013 that? is very memorable because it started off to be, we didn't even know if the race was going to be on because it was thundering at, you know, 3 a.m. I know. There was thunder? I don't remember that part. Yeah, it was like lightning thunder, like, um, you know, 4 a.m. or 3 a.m., oh. right? Um we were really lucky there was a break and it started like pretty humid at the start line. Mm-hmm. And then as the mayor at the time, Anise Parker gave her speech and her, yeah, good luck, everybody <laughs> pouring rain. It was like, literally you're like, Oh great. Right. This is going to be fun. Like your socks are wet, wet. And thankfully I picked up that trash bag, you know, trick. So uh-huh. I have my trash bag with me at the start and I actually had it on for probably a mile because this was one of those races where once the town downpour happened, I think the co-fund came through doing the top hours of the race. Mm-hmm. So it got progressively colder. Um, so the first two miles were cool, but not cold. And I'm, and the old course, and you remember it, it actually was through the Elysian mm-hmm. uh, by- bypass, right? So you got this really cool, amazing view of everybody going up and then, Go, go, go down uh, from it and I thought it was strategic, strategic place because it slows you down from going too fast in the beginning so I kind of miss that part of that but I don't miss having extra hills so it's right. a bit of a dilemma for me um in that race I was running with my run, running partner at the time Laura she's the most amazing uh running partner one could ask but all my running partners are amazing mm-hmm. because it is a special kind of relationship where you have to be um, similar in personality, similar enough in pace, because otherwise it's just not fun for either party. And she was a social worker by background, so she's just a, an amazing listener. And we've done, we had so many great conversations mm-hmm. during our training run together. And we found each other at the start line. 
And back then, I wasn't married to Michael yet, uh, but he flew down um, oh. to run the marathon mm-hmm. and because he was going to visit me in January anyway. So we started to get a start line, ran, you know, five or six miles together, and at about miles, I don't even remember, four, somewhere between four to six, Michael said, you know what, um, you guys are a little slow, so we'll see you at the finish line. So he took off. Oh. Um, and, uh, Laura and I hung together and ran and, um, it felt like a, you know, Saturday, Sunday long run together. So it's amazing to run with friends. And then uh, I think we parted ways, um, after the Galleria. So a little over the halfway point and the weather started getting windier and windier and, and back and back there, um, you got the Tanglewood stretch. So there was a few tall guys, um, running in front of me. So I started saying, hi, how are you guys doing? They're like, yeah, we're from Pennsylvania. I'm like, great. So I tucked behind it's them. Gonna and, hang you know, right, ran, here. <laughs> right. And then we had a couple of chat and blah, 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 blah. And then as soon as, because the wind was coming from the North, as soon as it doesn't head North anymore, I took off and they're like, oh, I see how that works. You used me, but good luck. And I'm like, yay. And then I keep, you know, running. And um, as it gets cooler, I actually felt better. Mm-hmm. It's one of those races where I start passing more and more people. And I've seen folks that I know and I pass them. And then it just gives you that confidence boost. I guess I'm very competitive in nature. <laughs> Deep inside, you just won't know it. And then... Um, Felt good, keep going, and then uh, right around Allen Parkway, I see the back of a guy running. I'm like, hmm, this looks like a very, you know, familiar backside of somebody I know. And it's like, oh, hi, Michael. How are you doing? And he was just like, I'm cramping up. You know, I'm like, well, let's let's finish this together. And, and he was like, oh, I didn't even wait for him to say yes or no. I just, you know, keep running, right? So... I kept running and I kept talking to him and then he, he was talking back, you know, and then, you know, two mi- you know, about another mile and a half, I started, you know, saying things and he didn't, I didn't, didn't hear a response back. I'm like, well, okay, fine. Right. And then I think he stopped on the water shop and I was just like, I was feeling good. So I just kept going. <laughs> so it was one of those where you take that corner mm-hmm. and, um, you know, you went into downtown and then you have that crowd and everybody's cheering you on, even though it was you know, a pretty cold day for spectators. So kudos to everybody out there. Mm-hmm. And you make that turn and see the finish line and you're like, oh, my gosh, I crossed the finish line. And my group um, that I ran with at, at a bomb racing team was there at the finish line. They say congratulations. And then I was like, yeah, Michael, great job. And then I looked back and I'm like, Where's Michael? And then he popped up maybe a minute or two later. <laughs> That's funny. Um, 2013 was also the year you ran Boston. It also happened to be the year that there was a bombing. Now, you finished because you're faster than that. Uh, well, so let's talk about that first. What was it like being in Boston in the lead up to the race and experiencing being at the Boston Marathon. It was amazing. So when when back then, I think you have to register once before because they do that. I think that was the first year when they do the, you know, you turn in your time and they uh-huh. do the and math then the and then right. let you in. So I think back in September um, of 2020, 
12, I found out I got in and it was just like that screaming like crazy. <laughs> oh, I got in now. Um, was very excited. And um, the training cycle leading up to Boston was actually quite good. And, and the um, bond racing team coach, like they don't charge me any money, but um, Francois was acting as my coach. So he was like, hey, I saw this Hanson Brooks thing, you know, this Hanson training method. Mm-hmm. Let's try it. So we were doing really well, um, you know, training up to the point where this is where you mentioned that I, I race a lot. And I think that was a lesson learned was I signed up for the Sugarland half. So mm-hmm. that was right around March. And with the Hanson, for those who are not familiar with that training program, even though the longest run is the 16 mile long run, you put a lot more work in the middle of the week and on your um, strength workout. Mm-hmm. So you have like, it's not unusual to have like 10 mile on a Monday and then middle of the week, you got a 10 mile tempo run and then a 16 mile long run at the peak. Mm-hmm. So you do put a lot more mileage than I was used to. Cause I think even when I was running for 24, um, 24 Houston, I peaked at maybe 40 or okay. 45 mile break. So I was never really a high mileage type kind of runner. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know how much my body can handle. So long story short, I was humming along with the program and I saw big improvement mm-hmm. because my um, half marathon time, just like I ran a 135 mm-hmm. um, with my coach's help. He, he paced me and but it was also a very cool uh, cold day. It was like 35 degree Fahrenheit. And I love those kind of weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and right after that, not really allowing yourself to cover and yeah. jump right back to a very demanding program like that. Um, actually, I had my first running injury right around mm-hmm. that time. So I didn't peak the way that I wanted to for my first Boston. I was just thankful that I can actually get to the start line because I was injured like mm-hmm. four weeks or five weeks before Boston. So the goal back then was really just get healthy enough and want to experience Boston. Um, as much as I like to prepare and look at data, I knew it was downhill. And then and you focus a lot more for the Harbrick Hill, the Newton Hills, the mm-hmm. Four Hills. So everyone keeps talking about the Newton Hills, blah, blah. It's intimidating because it's where it's located on um, at the marathon. But the really tougher part for me uh, for Boston is really the downhill. Um, for someone who doesn't have strong quads, um, not having the right training for it also yeah. wasn't smart. And you, you fall into the rookie trap of, you know, you just go with everybody and everyone just go too fast in the first couple of miles. And, and that was the only race I ran today, uh, that I don't feel completely great. Um, you know, halfway through it was oh, okay. like by mile 14, I was just like, Okay, my quads are shot. This is going to be an interesting day. But um, back to your question, like it was an amazing day um, in Boston. Perfect running condition. Um, at the start, you, you get on that bus in the morning and you get to the athletes' village. And back then, I didn't know a lot of folks yet because the running group that I ran with didn't have a big group going to Boston. So it was myself and another person. And um, Somebody flagged me right at the athletes village, but again, it was a cool day. I was a total rookie and <laughs> I knew I was not prepared when I saw people with pillows, blankets, oh, right. and like everything on the bus. And I'm like, empty handed and, and all that. <laughs> so 
Jake from Runner's High, and I didn't really even know him, but I only seen him uh, uh, in the park say, hey, you're from Houston, right? And I'm like, yes, I am. It's like, come over here. You look cool. Why don't you hang out with us? So again, oh. it's that kindness that mm-hmm. the Houston runners, it's just, you can't find that anywhere else. Mm-hmm. It's the Southern hospitality plus the running Houston community. Everyone's a family vibe. So I was really thankful for having that really, you know, get my nerves down, but also just, it was kind of a little cold just standing out there. So it's nice. Um, at the start, Boston's amazing. Like it, you're running with a big pace group the whole time. <laughs> The crowd's amazing, like, um, and yes, the Wellesley girls, you have to experience it. Um, but yeah, it didn't felt good because I went too fast. Uh, so something that I learned and there was a redemption later. Uh, um, and then um, would really, really pull, dig deep to finish, um, you know, and did a little bit of that shuffle walk shuffle walk at mile 25 and <laughs> and everybody who tells you that newton hughes was the hot, hardest part no it's really the last three miles because it wasn't really completely flat okay. once you get through the hills you got that rail track and then there's like a little bit of a rolling at the end so but at the end of it i'm like oh my god this is what i've been waiting for it's that famous left turn on Boston uh-huh. street and then you cross the finish line and I think there was a couple of tears of joy or sweat. I don't remember. <laughs> uh, but it was a long uh, finish line. So they make you walk a mile or two, get your space blanket, get your whole packet, um, pick up your stuff. And then, again, rookie mistake, I told my um, told Michael to meet me up at S for Shucks, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, meet us at the reunion area. And back then, I think he wasn't in the state yet so he was roaming so I gave my cell phone to him so I didn't have my phone so I was okay. waiting around um and I heard that pop um right around like it sound, sounded like firework and and for the line of work that I do it sounded like a transformer pop so okay. it's like well maybe there's something happened and then I hear ambulance but then again you're like well, we're at the finish line, so maybe just someone didn't have a good day. And then you hear the second pop again, and you're like, okay, something's not quite right. And it was literally two blocks from where the finish line bombing was. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thankfully, I found Michael right after that, and we slowly okay, walked uh, from the area. Uh, we started to hear more sirens, um, and we're like, okay, something's just not quite right. And then I texted my coach at the time and said, you know, wow, you know, I'm done. He's like, congrats. He's like, um, how are you feeling? Are you okay? And I'm like, well, you know, usual stuff. I'm sore. I'm like, like, no, literally, are you okay? There was a bomb. And I was like, so that's what it was. It was the most surreal thing you can feel. And and I said, hey, I love talking to you, but I need to get off right now because I, my parents must be worried. Um, so I called my mom and dad right after I hung up with my coach and say, hey, are you watching the news? And then my mom and dad were like, no, 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 no. Really. I'm like, make sure mom is sitting down. We just want to let you know that you're okay. I'm going to repeat, we're okay. Mm-hmm. But we're going to go back to the hotel and call you back because there was a bomb at, at the marathon. He's like, oh. Okay, yeah, call us back. So it was the craziest next 24 hours because we um, stayed right downtown Boston. You can see 
you know, the crowds of people dwindle, Mm -hmm. and then you start to see police in every corner of the major streets. Um, Obviously, the Mile 27 party, the Fenway Park thing was canceled. Um, But seeing the whole scene um, on the news coming back uh, from the marathon was something that I wish no one would have to experience because you have that survivor's guilt Mm -hmm. along with the fact that, oh my God, this just happened and have to explain to everybody who, you know, are worried about me. So, so the the quickest thing I did was look at the news and then quickly, you know, contact someone from work and say, Hey, I'm okay. Because folks were started to worry and say, Mm -hmm. you know, are you okay? And all that. So yeah, we were very thankful. Um, and and since that point on, um, we did our strategy a bit differently for the time when I returned to Boston in 2016, where we're not going to be at the finish line. <laughs> since we we stay close enough to the finish line, that just meet back at the hotel. Mm-hmm. So I think you know maybe someday when I return, we might change that strategy. But you know, just because of what happened in 2013, in 2016, mm-hmm. I just didn't want anybody at the finish line waiting for me. Then having been on the other side of that for a race, I was working for the Houston Marathon at the time. And, you know, it was, I'm not going to say it was part of my job to watch the Boston Marathon, but we all did. So, you know, I had the coverage on in my office and, um, but the show was over by then. Uh, and so I was still watching what everybody, you know, like on Twitter, it was like, a you just watch the scroll and update it constantly. And one of the guys who had been announcing, who's also an agent, tweeted something. I just heard, and that was how I found out. And, you know, we had people that were there working at the finish line who ended up being first responders. Um, and then just being, because we were the marathon in Houston, we got a, quite a few, a lot of media requests from local news here in Houston wanting our reaction or, you know, just they wanted, they needed somebody to talk to, but Mm -hmm. that one major event dramatically changed the face of security in, in all sports. I mean, you know, like NFL and all those guys, they already had security. Um, but it dramatically changed security. Uh, definitely at the Houston, at every marathon, but, I remember like we changed a lot. We ended up having like there, you know, we worked with HPD and HFD and, and even the local FBI and, and those people. But um, after that, we had a command, there's a command center on site now and, and things like that. Um, so while I'm not going to tell you to change your plan, I think the finish line is now safer to be at than it was back then because it wasn't, it was something you planned for, but not to the level that it's planned for now. Yeah. And I, I, first of all, kudos to everyone who's ever been a race director. It's not a job or even part of the organizing mm-hmm. committee is not a job that I would uh, volunteer to do because I know how hard it is to put an event together. And then you add the safety element to it. Um, nowadays, it's just um, with, with a crowd that size. It's, you have to give the BAA and the Houston Marathon Committee tremendous kudos. I know folks 
have mixed feelings about how expensive fees are uh, for marathon. But when you think about all the security, all the setup right. and everything you have to put into, and it's a rain or shine event, but if something happened, there's a force majeure, there's no right. money back and technically because it's already spent. Right. Um, so again, it's, a, it's, and, and, and I think you're right. I think, with every bad thing, we learn from it. And I think there's different protocol at a lot of uh, different facility, even in some of the federal buildings and all that security has really changed since that event. Mm-hmm. But it was one of those things where it's you least expect it. It's a big event for Boston every Monday. Um, and, and I'm really glad the city... And the folks who organized the event really came back strong in 2014. Let's jump ahead. Mm -hmm. So you run Houston again in 2015, and now you qualify, and you run a 324.33, another PR, and you qualify again for Boston 2016, and you go back. So what was it like, number one, just to be back in the city, having not been there, I'm assuming, since 2013, and then... What was your experience like on that race day? 2016 was a whole different race than 2013. So 2013, I was, you know, coming back from an injury, was mm-hmm. just grateful to be able to even run after having, you know, um, or, um, I I think this might need to get added out, but a lot <laughs> of arms, but calf strain and all the other stuff. Um, with that, you know, I learned a lot more about, you know, don't do crazy stuff before a big marathon. And back in 2016, I, we came with a big group of friends. Um, between 2014, I fall of 2014, I started coaching for Power in Motion. So it's okay. a program that Hurrah sponsored. And it's a coach of, uh, Couch of 5K program that runs typically every fall and every spring. Mm-hmm. It's a 10-week program. And it's for runners with all abilities. So you have people do the walk and run. Mm-hmm. You have walkers. You have people who can run continuously for a mile, but they really want to do a 5K. Or they have a, um, the level that I coach at was, uh, quote, unquote, getting faster. And this um, market as the pre-program after pre-Fontaine. And it's folks that run 5K, but they really do want to get better or use it as a way to build up to the Houston half mm-hmm. or the Houston marathon. So always loved the PIM one and uh, Juka Smith, she was the director back then, uh, connected with Bernie. Ber- Everybody knows Bernie Trotta. She's in Singapore right now. But Bernie pulled me into, you know, coaching uh, with PIM. And because of that group of coaches, they're just so kind hearted and they love running. We formed a new run, like informal group and we call ourselves the Sunday morning group. So it was with, you know, a mix of the coaches and, and folks, um, that, that, you know, are a bit misfits, right. Uh, but we run every, you know, Sunday morning and we decided that, Hey, let's go do, you know, um, Boston marathon together. So it was a big group, uh, going together and I totally recommend it. It's way more fun with friends, uh, going to Boston and we even have Ethiopian food, um, after the race. So the mood's definitely different in 2016, but I'm not going to lie going, walking through Boylston Street, going to pick up, uh, going to pack and pick up and all that. 
it, it has a little bit of that eerie sense, but then there's also that sense of triumph where we know it was safe again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did it in 2014, we did it in 2015, and it makes you feel good that we can learn from something and pivot from something very tragic to something even greater and make us even more resilient and stronger. So 2016 was a little bit warmer than 2013. And with Boston, if you have a sunny day, it's quite hot. Mm-hmm. But it's not Houston humid hot, but it's right. just a warmer than usual day. And my pacing strategy was I learned from my first one. So <laughs> I did a bit more conservative um, at the start. And um, and then another thing that I did definitely train for Boston was I uh, moved closer to town. So my house is close to TC Jester overpass. Oh. So for 2016 to prepare for the Boston Hills, I've done a lot of um, back and forth, back and forth on uh, TC Jester. <laughs> and again, cue back to earlier, I said Newton Hughes wasn't really that bad. It's just a long, uh, if you look at the gradient, mm-hmm. it's about the same kind of steepness as uh, the CC Jester overpass. So it does work. It's just longer. So the combination of, um, I also did a bit more downhill training. I, I, um, the work, my work had a, um, treadmill and you know, they're good treadmill when they have negative incline. Oh. So I did do, you know, max it out to 3%. So there are some even better ones that can do more than minus three, but I thought minus three was good enough to simulate it. So once a week I would do a, you know, five to six mile, that's a negative incline. Wow. So I look really silly in the gym, but <laughs> maybe psychologically it made me feel better and more prepared. Um, so yeah, pacing a bit better and then, um, really soaked in the experience in Boston in 2016 to the point where after the Newton Hills, um, there was a person that was giving long stem roses at mile 22. And as a grateful person, I picked it up without thinking. What are you supposed to do with every four miles? Right. It's it's literally long stem roses. I'm like, what do I do with her rose for like 20, you know, for four miles. And then I, I actually ran probably more than half a mile with it. And then I saw a, a man and a woman. I just assumed they're a couple. And if I made a wrong assumption, I made a wrong assumption. I was like, just give it to your wife. <laughs> and then just hand it over to him. I don't know what happened to that road. But um, across the finish line, it felt way more amazing than 2013. It was good. So throughout all of this time, you're still racing your house. You do Boston. And then in 2017, you run the October Houston half. And it looks like up until that point, you've been doing like 136, 137, 135. Now, I love the October Houston course. It's it's relatively flat, except for that nobody likes Allen Parkway. Um, you get it twice, you know. Right. <laughs> so uh, you drop a 132.44. I think you know a theme. Uh, my magical window for racing is, the, you know, yeah, 38, 39 degree, no big wind. Okay. Um, ideally 40, 45, anything above 45, you know, even humidity is another one. But right. um, that temperature range is ideal for me. And that day was like a 38 degree at the start. Okay. So, so it's a great race when you can wear gloves. That's usually yes. my mantra. And then if it's low humidity, it's like, yes. <laughs> 
um, yeah. So that day was one of those magical days in Houston where it was perfect condition um, and not a lot of wind. And um, and that summer, uh, and Jeff Dow, thank you, um, I did uh, um, race pace on and off. So, okay. you know, traditionally summer, I take speed work off uh-huh. and then, you know, pick it back up right around September or so to get ready for the marathon. That summer was different because race pace was in. So, uh-huh. and I've been going to uh, the combination of their speed and endurance class. So maybe, you know, three times a month. Um, uh-huh. And, and I believe that actually helped as well. And it was a good day. So then, how on earth did you get to the Fargo marathon? What made you want to go to Fargo? You know, uh, I think after this podcast, people might have different impression about me. I make very bad decisions around <laughs> running. It, it, you know, like I, I don't even do bets. And I did that bet on my first marathon with my, um, my husband. This one, Fargo was interesting. Um, I was running with my friend, Ashley and um, Ashley and I met at the corporate track meet. Okay. Like a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. we didn't really know each other, but, but we always finished great around each other. So somehow we, we connected and found out that we live very close to each other. So long story short, we started training together, um, in preparation for the Houston marathon and, um, Ashley got the, um, Boston qualifier the year before at Fargo, okay. but because Boston is so popular, she missed the cutoff oh. by about like 10 seconds. Oh. And that's the infuriating part of that right. Boston. It's like, even though you got the time, it's not a guarantee that you get it. Right. So I think at one of those long runs, I may have promised that, you know, I will get her her Boston qualifier. <laughs> and then we decided that we trained to that spring. And then, you know, right around March, she was like, you've been doing all my long runs with me. Like, it would be kind of cool to go together. And I was just like, you know what? Yeah. Let me add another 19 miler. Okay. So literally six weeks before the race, I signed up to go to Fargo. <laughs> and, um, it was one of those, those amazing girls trip that I have. It's one, it's in my book of, you know, favorite memory because, okay. um, I've never been to Fargo before. And, um, yeah, it, it's actually a very good course. And, you're going to love it because you're a runner. They start right at the stadium. Okay. So you get real stadium bathroom. Nice. At the start. Best part. I know. Um, at the Houston half this past October, I randomly was like one of the first people there. <laughs> so you can. But that means right? I got to use the bathroom before anybody was in it. Bathrooms are important. They are. There might be a theme later. And and that's another reason why, you know, um, getting that legacy is good because you once you get to oh, certain right. years, get a special path, bathroom. And it means a lot. <laughs> well, so when you were in Fargo, you ran a 329. So did she get her Boston qualifier? She did. Okay. We ran together. Um, so we almost missed the start because um, – bathroom again because you got real bathroom you got really excited and good thing was because it's far though you're close enough to canada they did u.s national anthem and then canadian one oh, literally okay. by the time they did canadian national anthem i was like okay time to start line and go um it was a great day um great temperature again that magical 40 degree 
Um, not a lot of wind, which is unusual. Usually uh, Fargo could be quite windy. Mm-hmm. It's a pretty flat course, and I would say it's flatter than Houston. The only thing that was any elevation was they ran from a river pathway to go back up to the road. That okay. happens at mile 18. <laughs> so we, we had a really good time. And then um, at mile 19 or so, my friend was just like, you know, if you want to go ahead, you can go ahead at, at because I guess I was a very enthusiastic cheerleader <laughs> and I really want her to get that Boston qualifier. So I was like, no, I'm going to stick with you. So I'm going to run with her. And by mile 25, they have an arch and it said, you know, it's almost there. And I was like, people, we're almost here. And then, and then somebody running along, they're like, I don't know what you're on. I want to get one of those. <laughs> I want what have, she's having, it's yeah. Like, yeah. And um, yeah, again, it finished right at the stadium. So um, when you cross the finish line, they announce your name in the Fargo Dome and you get a cute little videotape and a video of it. The only reason why I might want to go back is they mispronounce my name. They call me May Shrek. No, come on. Yeah. <laughs> from, from Houston. Like, it was an honest mistake, but like I'm like I may have to go back and do it one day. Well, but it's I mean, maybe they have kids. I don't know. They because, they just need John Walk to announce for every race because <laughs> John would not make that routine mistake. But this is amazing, and more importantly, my friend got her qualifier and she qualified for Boston 2017. So or 18, no 18. That I think she had to go do that really hot. Human year. I don't remember. <laughs> um, jumping ahead again. So now, when you do the Houston half in October of 2019, you either set, no, I think it was, it was a PR of 132.13, which foreshadowed your 2020 Houston. Tell me about your 2020 Houston marathon. Oh my God. So credit to Tracy. Um, Tracy had a very fabulous summer of 2019, and also she did an amazing race in um, what was that name of that downhill? Uh, well, is it Willowbrook? She ran an amazing PR. So I, I went and talked to her, and she she um, she was co- um, she is uh, coached by Neely Spence Gracie. Okay. So. I thought about it a lot and um, I pulled a trigger the week before Houston half and say, you know what? I'm 39. I'm going to turn 40 um, in 2020. And I know a lot of races give really good masters awards. Mm -hmm. So I kind of want to be in shape for my 40 and really celebrate it. Right. So I call Neely up and um, you know, talk to, you know, what I want to achieve as a runner long-term, but also mm-hmm. my shorter-term goal. And she said, sure, you know, I'll coach you. And um, and it was one of the best investments I made um, because I'm not going to accredit that PR to her because I signed up that week. Right. Um, but I think that half gave us a really good starting point on where my pace is and all that would be. Mm-hmm. And she would she's been building phenomenal programs for me for training and in the past when I do work out on Tuesday and Thursday I will feel pretty awful in between like like there are days where you're sore for a few days or so she has this incredible I don't I guess it's because she she knows you know and and we communicate well Mm -hmm. she 
set up the workout hard enough where you know you had a workout, but you're not sore for days. So with that and and other new changes I've done is um, with her, she really reinforced the um, concept that you have to do your your easy run easy. So I've been a lot better about that instead of just booking any pace I like on an easy day. Um, so just slowing it down and really, you know, using it to listen to podcasts like Runner Fusion. It's a really great one for an easy day because it's, it's like running with your friends when you don't have your friends on a run with you. Um, and she structured really fun workout where I'm I'm like every and, and, and it's all on final search. So you get a two week preview on what your workout looked like and you're it's like reading a mystery novel you're like i wonder what's after that so every day you wake up and i kid you not it's like ooh, i got this workout coming up so it's been really exciting as rejuvenating um for the longest time i thought i plateau because i i didn't think i can ever break anything like 132 or 135 mm-hmm. i thought you know the the mid 320s was probably my limit for marathon mm-hmm. but there's a little little bit in my heart that I know if I work hard enough and maybe get enough rest sleep enough mm-hmm. I may be able to do better but I just don't know where that limit is and I think that's what's so cool about running is I, I don't think you know what your limit is mm-hmm. until you really try and sometimes you fail but you can always try again so yeah, um, so with her help, um, I la- I towed up healthy uh, to the Houston Marathon in January, and there's a little bit of luck because it's that magical 39 degree at uh-huh. the start. It is a bit more windy, so the wind was north over 10 to 15 mile per hour. Mm-hmm. So could be rough in certain spots but Mm -hmm. i know houston so i know which stretch is tailwind and you use that to your advantage but it was just so amazing um lining up and i when i signed up with neely i also said you know i did mention i talked about my short-term goal well my short-term goal happened in reality was a long-term goal was since my husband and i've known each other he always has to faster marathon time that 322 Thankfully, he doesn't like to run marathon, so <laughs> his PR is still like the 321.22, that range. Okay. So for years, even after we got married, is I am going to set that house PR record. Well, I said that for many years, and he's like, well, I just go run it so you can stop talking about it. That's <laughs> basically Michael's, uh, Michael's uh, response to it. So should we just spoiler alert to all the audience out there? Absolutely. I did achieve that house record um, on January 2020. Okay, you didn't just achieve the house record. Your previous PR heading into that was a 326? I think 324. The uh, Houston 2015 was my last PR in marathon. Yes. And then so I did went, a lot of pacing. You went yeah. from a 324.33 to a 3-11-29. It was a good day. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and um, maybe another story. Um, our friend has a dog that we fostered. Aww. And um, they adopted the dog and we stay close friends and we get to see the dog a lot whenever they travel. So we are the designated baby uh, yes. dog sitter. So her name is Cashmere. 
And a lot of people who know me, I talk about Cashmere a lot, and people just think that she's my dog. She's not my dog. She's my friend's dog. Um, but there's a theme out there. Um, when I PR'd in 2019 in the half marathon, Cashmere was out on the course cheering. And Cashmere was also out on the course in January 2020. And um, they were out right near the Starbucks on Memorial. Okay. So, um, yeah. Um, so mile 21, 22 was actually one of my faster mile because I have to look good in front of Cashmere. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it was a good day, but it was windy. So I did the drafting thing again. Uh, but this one wasn't as good because it was right on Allen Parkway and almost tripped over a poor guy. So <sighs> I didn't. And then I just went went faster so that I don't trip over any I was just so embarrassed I almost tripped somebody I'm gonna apologize profusely and then just sped up and just I'm like at this point I just need to finish and then really enjoy that finish line and and that one was amazing because I work hard and um and the elements agree with me that day how did you celebrate we went home, shower, <laughs> and then met up with um, a group of friends, a group that we went together uh, to Boston with and had a very good lunch at a local restaurant. Nice. And then I celebrate the next day by, because I, I always block my calendar the Monday after Houston Marathon, but it's a very popular time to do workshops. So I actually had to be on my feet all day facilitating a workshop the next day so that's how I celebrated my PR see I thought the best now having worked there for so long and then worked in a non, another nonprofit after that it's on MLK weekend in my head I just assumed like everybody has off you have to work yeah it, it, so MLK day uh, maybe this year will be different it's a day of caring so it's volunteering but oh, it's also okay. January yeah. So you have a lot of, you know, kickoff workshop for a lot of this stuff. Gotcha. Is, okay. Yeah, I, I block it every year, but people book all over it. it it's just, I, I gave up. And and I think <laughs> with the hybrid working now, I think at least I can work from home. Okay. Um, yeah. But no, back then there was no hybrid working. Oh. Like you go to the meeting. There's a meeting, you show up kind right. of thing. So, yeah. All right. Well, speaking of, so you run this amazing PR, you have this new coach. You do a couple like 5K, 10Ks right after that. It's 2020. The world shuts down. I know. It was what? It was another surreal thing where you're like, and then I actually didn't have anything on the docket. So okay. like, unlike a lot of folks, they, they have Boston, right? right? And it was that forever wait on, will they, will they, right. will they kind of thing. Right. So I didn't have anything. Um, and I, I, I just really grateful that Houston happened and and then the wall shut down so um we mentioned that you know I um you know I am committed to my running but I'm twice as committed to my work so um with the pandemic the silver lining was I didn't have to commute to work I was able to work remotely mm -hmm. So that means I have a little bit more time to do my running in the morning. So I think the silver lining was a bit more regular, um, you know, training schedule, but also um, catching up a bit more on sleep. So I don't have to get up a wee hour to commute mm -hmm. to work. So I took that to my full advantage. Um, I also made a lot 
more friends um, because I'm an introvert by nature. Um, running in big running group, um, it's great, but it's not my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So I like running in smaller groups. So I would usually cluster with you know a few folks that are similar to my pace to mm-hmm. run. So the thing that gives me energy is be having a one or two, a few running partners and really have a good run and talk. And sometimes you don't even have to talk. It's the fact that you're running together. Mm-hmm. Is that silent acknowledgement that, you know, just you don't get that elsewhere. And, and, and I think with the pandemic, we, First, when we first go into it, there was a lot of unknown. So we did everything that CDC said, don't, don't go anywhere, yeah. put mask on, mm-hmm. run one within your family. So good thing it's my husband's a runner. So we ran a lot together. Mm-hmm. And then slowly as you learn more, um, we started to be in a, you know, quarantine bubble with a few friends that I only see a few friends. So right. those were the people that I run together. And and I think that whole experience allowed me to be more consistent, um, more grateful for people who organize races because virtual races are not that fun. No, I will happily never do another virtual race. I might still do a 5k because so this, I always find a silver lining in things. So with virtual 5k, if you don't like the weather, so like this morning, if you have a 5k, if it's a virtual 5k, just find one another weekend. Right. Yeah. So, so there's a little bit of that, and then you uh, and and I got so used to running in certain route where I can tell you where the downhill is, so you can start your repeat on that downhill. So, you mentioned you did track workout uh, on the track a lot, and you don't like to do it on the street. I don't mind it because um, you know now I I run certain routes so often. Mm-hmm. I knew that if I start right here, I'm gonna go downhill right here, and voila, I got a really fast 400 rap right there. <laughs> Perfect. So those are the little thing you do right. to make things exciting. Right. Thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, so the coming out of the pandemic, you did the virtual Houston marathon in a three twenty, I might add. So did you run that alone or did you run that with a running partner, like a, a friend or a group? I ran with my running partner, Lori. So like she was my like quarantine buddy okay. along with a few folks. Um, so we started to grow accustomed to running long runs and, and some of the workout together. So um, when January hit, Lori and I just, and a few other friends were doing the half. So it worked out really well. We set up um, at Candlelight Park, like a table. And Rachel Garza is amazing. She got like fluid station all set up. It's pretty legit. I feel like a pro for a day because there's like bottles and everything and we just ran the oak forest and the whole uh way up by you north okay. of uh, 43rd that area and then um finish it right um with the finish line and sarah Charrington and my husband held the finish line together so we had a running joke about you know i run with a lot of fast ladies mm-hmm. and Lori just broke the tape at cypress this year um, other folks have, you know, one first place and other thing. And I'm like, I never broke a tape. And then I look back at the picture in January. I'm like, never mind. I did broke a tape. It was a virtual, <laughs> virtual thing, you know, kind of thing. So, yeah, it was a great experience. I also forgot to mention that um, right after the Houston Marathon, mm-hmm. um, my friend was doing the Rocky Raccoon. And that was before oh. everything shut down. Mm-hmm. And we agreed to go pace him. Oh. And... Um, and I sucked at trail because I can't see anything without my glasses. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but with that experience, I met the 713 group because they're so organized at, you know, staging their stuff and their whole, like, like they knew all the good spot uh-huh. and um, I made it a lot of friends there. So I actually joined their running group right before the pandemic. <laughs> and I have to a credit to Steve for spicing things up for us. So for the longest time, we don't know when Racist was going to return. So that summer, uh, there was a few. There were a few ladies that gave birth a year ago, I guess. Mm-hmm. So the, all the toddlers were turning one. Or some <laughs> of them were turning two. So right uh, for the month of June, there were three weeks where there were one-year-old birthdays. So we did what we call a toddler throwdown. We're not throwing down babies, so don't, don't worry here. But we actually just did one miles and tracked our time. And it actually was quite fun because I don't run mile and mm-hmm. I saw my time dropping. And um, that was one of those things where people are creative and keep things exciting during the pandemic. And it makes things a bit easier as you dial back up to the virtual Houston. Right. That sounds like fun. I don't know. Um, But so you do your virtual, but now things are actually starting to open up. And Mm -hmm. so you run the Woodlands Marathon. Yes. What the Woodlands was Marathon like? was it was the first race back, right? And again, kudos to folks who organized the Woodlands race uh, because not that many races have returned, so they were one of the few mm-hmm. that uh, came back. Right, uh, it was very organized. Uh, Mask was required at the start, and I also because I turned forty, uh, my time in Houston um, gave me a elite spot. Oh, so I got the, oh my God, I, I was living the dream. It was like elite treatment, um, where literally they have a little booth for you. You drop off your bag, you know, um, you just wait there and it, you go to the start line and there's a porta potty. Uh, bathroom's important to me. There's a nice porta potty that are, are dedicated and no line. Um, so, so along with that perk, it made it a very, very enjoyable experience. So, um, yeah. Did you... Well, if it was elite, did did you have your own fluids? Like, could you give bottles? I did. Yeah, that was the first year you can get your own bottle. But because I've never trained with my own bottles before, and I'm a firm believer, I don't don't do don't anything do new on right. races. I I kind of re- that was one of those what if thing. I'm like, well, I'd like to try that one day. Um, so that was the if I were to do anything differently, I might have been a bit more brave since you know and get that experience and see, do I do well in that space? But no, I, I think thinking back, it was good to not get the elite bottle because I was so rusty and racing. I, I could, I don't even remember how to grab water from right. the table. Well, I'm trying to figure out right now, number one, like in my racing, I've never really fueled for anything. And so now I'm getting ready for my first marathon when obviously like you have to fuel or you will not make it. I'm sure some people do, but I, that's not going to happen. Um, but I love the blocks or the gummies. Okay. And I'm like, well, how do you carry enough gummies to make, cause they take up more space. They do. They're, they're not that. as condensed as goo. I have six well, weeks um, to figure it out. <laughs> my recommendation is do slurge on a pair of shorts that have a lot of pockets. I have said, so I've been running in a pair of rabbit shorts that have, three pockets but i don't know if that's enough we'll see uh, rabbit actually has um i don't know if they make them anymore but like a year or two ago they actually have the dirt pounder 
Yeah, I think they still make those. I was just on the yeah. website. The so day. they actually have two, two, two like Velcro, two side, and gotcha. then uh, the back pocket in the front. So like you, you can't run out of pockets right. for the rabbit shorts. Um, so that might help. Uh, and late, ladies have told me I haven't tried it before. They actually stuff um, gels and all those in yeah, there. Yeah, I know. I know people who do that too. Well, as Starla said, she had like all of the goo in her sports bra when she ran the trials because she takes one every three miles, I think. Brooks also make one where there's a foam pocket and then two side pockets. Mm-hmm. So if you have the bra and, the, and then the short, that should be enough. Yeah. But yeah. I'll but the there. thing is, they're just so big. It's like, how right. do you? Right. Yeah. So work, work, work in progress. Um, well, but so does the 316 you ran in the Woodlands qualify you for elite status there next year? Because I'm old, yes. Perfect. Well, so maybe you try <laughs> the bottles there next year. I can try it. Yeah. Yeah. Woodlands was great, but, um, you know, I was also thankful because um, the, it was like a month after the freeze or not oh, even a yeah. month. It was three weeks after the weeks. freeze. Mm-hmm. And back then I was in a job where um, – I lead a team that's a bit more operational. Okay. So we were, um, and whenever there's weather events, it's actually more, not only do you have to take care of your family, but you also have to take care of work. Right. Uh, so I was working very, very long hours that are longer than 12 to 13 hours a day. Mm-hmm. And the first day I have a day off was to run a marathon. So I'm the oh. only odd person, you know, that, that would actually say, uh, yeah, um, can you cover for me that morning? I, I'm just going to be out of pocket for um, hopefully three and a half hours. Right. And I promise you, I'll get back to your phone call right after that. But if you need to call somebody on an emergency, call this person. Oh my Between goodness. the hours of seven and, you know, 11. <laughs> That's crazy. Wait, so did you go back to, did you go work that afternoon? I had a call that afternoon. Oh my God. So literally was run the marathon enjoy a bit of whatever that hospitality team um, uh, tent had to offer drove home and I got a text where they needed something. So um, yeah, as soon as, yeah, I didn't get my nap until after the call, but it it all worked out. Yeah. Okay. Um, So then we're just going to skip right to Cyprus. (laughs) You just ran the Cyprus half in another new PR. Of one thirty twenty four. Tell me about that race. What was that like? Oh my gosh! Um, so I'm a creature of habit. <laughs> I mean, you can even see that pattern, you know, in my links. I always do this thing where I would do Houston half and then pay something like the Run Girl in December and then run the Houston Marathon. So it's like without hesitation. That's always the template. This year, because we've been out for so long, right, a bit of race FOMO, and I've always mm-hmm. seen people run really good time at Cyprus. Mm-hmm. It's, first of all, is November versus end of October, so that probability of better weather, it's there. Mm-hmm. And, I, and also, there's no Allen Parkway times two, so it's <laughs> flat. So I I went in um, with Neely and say, hey, I'm going to try something different this year. I'm going to sign up for Cyprus. So so we aligned on the fact that I would do Cyprus, mm-hmm. and but I have a caveat when we build our, our plan was I will jump into Houston half if the weather is under 
55 degree Fahrenheit <laughs> because, you know, you don't raise good days like this. Right. Just, and, 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 and nearly, I won't do it if you don't think it's good for me. She was like, it's fine. I, I think it's early enough in the season where if you do it as a workout or, you know, something hard effort, it's a good starting point for us to know where, where things are. So she gave me permission to do both of them. And okay. sure enough, the weather was nice in Houston half. So I signed up and congrats on your, on your PR that day. Oh, thanks. Um, I ran a relatively consistent race, but that wasn't my day. It was one of those where 55 stole. Humid. Wait, I'm going to jump in here real quick and specify that not her day means she ran a 132.30. Just FYI. And almost get ran over by a an SUV. Oh, so, no. Wait. Like, at mile, yeah, at mile four, what? like, you know where a Memorial was? Yeah. Um, a, an SUV pull out from that apartment complex, a fancy apartment complex. And um, there's cones. Like, nice. I guess there wasn't, you know, police officer right there. I guess it was early it on in the race. So the guy pulled, and I was, like, literally facing the guy. And I, you know, my brain wasn't completely on. So I'm like, do I keep running or do I stop? <laughs> so I kept running, and then he just kind of went by me. And I hope that he didn't run over. I didn't hear news of anybody getting running over. Same. So I think he got the jits up the road clothes and probably turn on shepherd but okay. yeah that was a bit strange but yeah yeah I, I survived it was good okay but so then so you you race or you use it as a i guess a hard workout to get ready for cyprus so now you go run cyprus go run cyprus with my uh, my friend Lori, um because she's amazing like whatever bad idea i have like that's just my i'm doing a race and she'll be like, oh i'll sign up too so we made it a girl's morning and we drove together and went to Cyprus, um, got there early enough to get a good parking spot and early enough, like you said, where the porta potty party had no line. So we Perfect. got, our, we've done a business, did a warm up and a perfect weather day. It was about, um, 46 degree up there in Cyprus. And um, they have a pacer. So um, there was pace groups. So they have 130 pacer, 140 pacer, and, and, and so on. So um, didn't have a game plan, but I thought knowing how I did in Houston, I didn't know I have this. You know, there's always that secret goal. You want to go under sub 30, and then okay. 5K, you want to go under 20. Um, but with the um, half, I was like, well, it would be really good if I can go under sub 130. I, didn't quite think I have it, but was going to go for it anyways, since you don't have good weather like this anyways. Right. So yeah, started off with the Pacer, um, and it's a smaller race compared to Houston. Um, so the Pacer did a really good job, and I want to thank the young man that was pacing that day, because he was spot on on the 652 pace, so every mile that I ran with him on the first half... Mm-hmm was between 6.45 to the, you know, 6.52. So it's just like, mentally, it's like, okay, this is scary because I know, you know, there's no marathon wall in, in a half, but I, I really don't like to, you know, blow up at the end. I'm like, okay. so do I keep going? Do I keep going? Do I keep going? And the pace group gets smaller and smaller. So people who run faster passed up already, like my friend. And then, People who couldn't keep up couldn't keep up. So it became like maybe two or three people that are maybe close to the pacer. Mm-hmm. And then past mile eight, 
um, I was still on pace. The pacer started talking to me. He's like, what's your goal? I'm like, well, I kind of want to hit a 131 uh, today. And then, and then he was like, oh, I'll get you there. You just, you know, um, you know, follow me, just stick with me. And I was just like, okay. And thankfully he was there because the Cypress, unlike the Houston half is quite quiet. It's a quiet Sunday morning residential neighborhood. Um, And I follow him through and he was just so gracious because I guess the group was so small, he slowed down a little bit for me. So if I look at my split, um, you know, my last four miles was, you know, barely seven, um, you know, well, went off pace, but he was there, okay. but I, I'm just so thankful he was there. And then as soon as we saw the, you know, it was a beer finish line too. It was right. You, you can see it, but you have to turn a yeah. little bit down to go get it. Um, as soon as we saw that, you know, that instinct kicked in where, okay, I know it's safe can now. I can again. just sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was a good day uh, across the finish line. And my friend broke the tape. She was a uh, female Overall, she finished uh, about two minutes before me. Okay, that's very mm-hmm. cool. Well, so, I mean, now, well, we're talking, it's December 4th, Saturday. It's that day. We've had beautiful weather for the past three <laughs> weekends, and today was 65-ish and 100% humidity. And you still ran 19 miles. Good for you, right? You went 19, I think? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, I like sleep. So getting to Memorial Park at 6 a.m. On, on Saturday, it's rough when you know that even 65 degree kind of thing, it's not 100 degree by 8 o'clock. You could kind of sleep in it a little bit. Right. So I, you know, took a little bit of extra time, left the house and just run from the house and knowing where here. I'm, I, I'm part of 713, but also the Furious and the Tornado. So I joined multiple clubs because <laughs> I support the running community, but I also like different routes and different hydration support. So, um, yeah, so sure enough, I was running by myself for about, uh, I thought I would run into somebody, but I didn't because I, I kind of missed the start by a little bit. And um, around maybe by mile 10 or so, I was so thankful I started to see the Harriers running. Uh, on work by you so I knew I can't keep up with Dan and everybody so as I keep going back I'm like okay Amanda you're here so without asking I just say can I crash and then I just followed her I was like by the way what are you doing she's like well I'm in the middle of a workout like like you know I was just like okay well do your thing I'll just try to hang on as long as I could so we um we did we finished her workout together and then uh, ran the rest of the thing, um, you know, catching up and all that. So, yeah, um, running into her after mile 11 was get a gift because I don't think I have enough podcasts in my queue <laughs> to keep me entertained in this weather. Yeah, it's definitely something you need. Um, so is Houston what's next up on your calendar? Yes. Do you have a goal in mind that you're willing to share? I want to keep my house record. <laughs> well, is your husband running too? He's running the half. Okay. Well, I think we might have plans to run a marathon in um, 2022. Okay. Any idea which one? I am really intrigued by all those downhill marathons so i am 
looking into potentially going into one of the tunnels run. And I okay. like to do the June one if I can. That sounds pretty cool. But that plan might change depending on, you know, what happens in Houston. Life. Yeah. Um, and life. All right. Well, I've kept you for a significant amount of time on this lovely Saturday. So we're almost done. My lovely. It's probably, I don't know. I think it looks like the sun is out. Anyway. Um, where is your favorite place to run in Houston? Memorial Park. Do you have any bucket list races that you want to run? I like to do Big Sur again. Um, and I mentioned um, one of those downhill scenic mm-hmm. marathon would be great. And if it works out again, I'd like to be able to do Berlin because I was trying to get on the lottery um, for 2020, but I'm really glad I didn't. So silver lining and everything, but someday Berlin and Tokyo. Oh, very cool. Um, thinking about all of your running, race, training, doesn't matter. What is your best running memory? My first time as a pacer for the Houston Marathon. So back in 2016, I signed up to be a pacer and paced the 350 group. Um, Being a pacer is amazing because you still have to train. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole different responsibility because you want to be consistent and you want to show up for when people needed you the most. And the feeling you, you know, when I mentioned you, when you cross the finish line at a mar- marathon, there's always that magical feeling. Mm-hmm. It just multiplied up by 10 when you pace folks and they tap you on the shoulder and say, you got me my PR today, or I'm going to Boston. So yes, this is something that, you know, once the pandemic is a bit, now that we're coming out of it and knowing how to manage it better, I do like to get back to a bit more pacing gig. Okay. Um, has anything crazy or super weird ever happened to you on the run? Um, yes, I was, you know, I mentioned we were doing long distance, uh, and I was, um, running with Michael. So it was one of those 20 miler marathon buildup was November. It was minus 10 degrees C that day. And, um, I was running on the wafer pathway and, I remember Michael was wearing a blue shirt, so we were running. I thought he passed me, so I just kept going. Um, little did I know, I should have looked back. Um, he had to stop to get something. He dropped something. So I lost my goal for, like, kept going for another <laughs> 30 minutes before I knew that I lost him. So I actually uh, had to – and we didn't run with our phones. I had to go back to the hotel and, you know, left him a note and say, you know, I'm going to be finishing my run and I hope you're okay. And uh, we'll meet, meet you back here. Thankfully, he was okay. And nothing was harmed, but I need to be a bit more observant. Another crazy thing that happened to us on the run, it also happened in Alberta. We were run um, out, out hiking, running um, in um, near Banff area. We normally bring bear spray with us. That day, we just thought... Nice day, didn't have oh to share with us. Um, halfway through and out and back kind of trail, um, I saw it was literally 20 foot in front of me, and it was a bear, it was a young adult bear, so it wasn't mama bear or baby bear, so okay. that was good. Uh-huh. 
But literally, again, my brain wasn't on, so it's like, why is this guy wearing a you know bear costume on a hike? This is so weird. And then I'm like, oh, that's not a bear costume. And then Michael was with me. I was like, Michael, so where, where's the bear spray? He's like, don't have it. I'm like, um, so what do we do now? Do we go that way or do we go back? I kind of want to get back. So we debated for a few minutes and thankfully the, the bear went on and did his own business elsewhere. Okay. And on our way back, we warned folks and say, Hey, there's a bear in the area, blah, blah, blah. So I think that's pretty crazy, right? Like you see, yeah, and, and, and it's just, yeah. I think you're, you're tied right up there with the person I, who I talked to who got lost in like Kenya for a couple hours. That's pretty cool. I, I thought that was cool. But like the fact that I didn't even think it was a bear, it was like, oh, what is this guy? That's costume? pretty funny. But yeah, no, I don't know what I would do if I saw a bear. That's pretty, that's a lot. We were just very lucky. Yes. yes. Bring bear spray. That's yeah. all I can say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or don't run somewhere where you might see bears. Um, that too. <laughs> if you could run with anyone living dead, cartoon character, superhero, whatever, who would it be and how far would you go? Gosh, I did my homework on this answer <laughs> because I listen to your podcast a lot. I am a dedicated fan. So my, I have two answers for this. Okay. Truthful answer is I'm already living the dream. I get to run with my running partners. Aww. So the ones that I mentioned on the podcast, they are the people that I like to run with because it's just so unique to have somebody who, can tolerate me for that long, <laughs> but also run at a similar pace. Mm -hmm. But if I really get a wish list, I'd like to run with DC Rainmaker. Oh, for how, how long and why? Well, so for those who don't know, um, DC Rainmaker is this um, influencer, I guess we can call him an influencer, where he has a blog, very extensive detail blog about all running gear. So mm -hmm. it's not just watches, heart rate monitor, um, I think he dabbles into, you know, cycle, like the, the um, trainers and all the other stuff. But I particularly love that he has rolling pins of, you know, basically watches and he gives you a very detailed comparison. Okay. So his name is Ray. Um, he lives in the Netherlands now, uh, but I would love to run with him because like, he just seems like the type of people that you can have a long conversation with and geek out about data and watches and say, you know, and just have a fabulous run together. Now, I don't know if I actually can keep up with him. He is quite speedy, but I'm hoping he would slow down for me when he's talking about data. Well, I mean, this is, you know, perfect conditions, perfect scenario. So this is what you say goes. So he will run with you. And actually, there's a really cool race in the Netherlands, uh, Zahuben Loop, which I think is in Nijmegen. Huge race over there, very popular. You should run that with him. I will. I'm not saying this like this is going to happen. But that would be fun. Uh, all right, last question. We've talked about how you got into running and what that's looked like for you over the past 10 years. But why do you keep going? Why do you run? I mentioned that I'm an introvert. I know people don't believe that, but I am a functional introvert. And running has really allowed me to really clear my head and get myself recharged after a really long day of meeting with people be it Zoom meeting or be it in-person meeting. So it's my alone time, but it's also my time to bond with friends and, and family because my husband runs. 
And it really taught me to be a better person um, where you, you have to really be in tune with yourself mm-hmm. and really understand what your body's telling you. Um, so, so I think with that, you can apply that to a lot of things in life, be it in life or at work too. So been really grateful that I picked up running later on in life. Perfect. Great answer. May, thank you so much for your time today. I was really, thank you. Just thank you for sharing your story with us. I loved hearing all of it. And I hope you do some editing because I, I, I feel bad for everybody have to listen for it for an hour and a half. Uh, it would be a good long run episode. It is. Hey, answer. we are in the prime of Houston long run. Like I think I have eight. No, wait. Oh, next week's my down week. But then I have 20 and then I have 22. So this is perfect for that. Perfect for that Christmas day when you have your 22 miler. Well, I won't listen to <laughs> but anybody else who needs to run 22 miles on Christmas. As always, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Runners of Hue. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or however your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>